Hi everyone, I'm Wendy Muse, creator of the Left Pocket Project, which brings you the history of leftists of color one swipe at a time. And this is the Left Pocket Project podcast. Today's episode is actually the second installment of Comrade Mommy, and I would say the first official episode, uh, as the initial one that I did was actually an introductory of um, introductory episode of sorts, just to kind of uh, let you guys know what the whole thing was about. So. As with the previous episode of Comrade Mommy, it is late. It's 1.30 in the morning, 1.37 to be exact. Everyone in my house is asleep right now. Um, so my dog is sleeping, my daughter is sleeping, my husband is sleeping. And you may hear the laundry going in the background because one thing that I've learned after becoming a parent is that your house basically turns into a laundromat. Um, <laughs> I feel like I do laundry every single day. So um, yeah, getting used to that. Uh, beyond that, I just wanted to say as well that um, you may occasionally hear some other noise in the background of most of my podcast episodes because, as you all may know, um, I record from my house. The same goes for all the left POC interviews and whatnot, um, but just as a reminder for people who may be new to the podcast or who are listening just because of the Comrade Mommy episodes, um, just to give you guys a heads up on that, um, you may hear things. Uh, so anyway... Today's episode, I actually want to talk about uh, the issue of maternal health um, and the issue of reproductive rights. Uh, So that's why this episode is entitled Choice. Um, Actually, interesting enough, and sadly, uh, before I got on to the computer, hooked up and decided to record this, I saw that Chrissy Teigen had suffered a miscarriage. Um, She was in the middle of her pregnancy. I know she had just announced a few few months ago or a month ago or so, Um, but she suffered a miscarriage of uh, their son, Jack. So my condolences to Chrissy and um, John. Obviously, I don't know them. You know, I only have some inkling of their, uh, who they are as people through social media. And I know that, you know, she's gotten a lot of flack for certain things she's said. I've even been critical of her at times. But I will say this, you know, when you're going through something like that, I think empathy is something and understanding is something that people deserve, um, especially when you're suffering a loss like that. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And considering what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode, uh, very relevant actually and on, on topic. Um, so again, you know, very sad to hear that. I hope that they can get the rest and restoration that they need as a family. Um, and that, you know, they can come together at this time and really, uh, you know, try to, uh, recover from the sadness and just, just go forward with positivity and, and hope. And, you know, maybe at some point later they can try again to have another child. Um, but obviously to cherish the children that they already do have who are here, um, and that bring joy to their lives. So just wanted to open with that. Um, so this episode, as I said, is about choice. And, and I think that I, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the struggle for reproductive rights in the United States and how behind we are, uh, but this is not going to be a super technical conversation. I leave that to the experts, um, and I have some uh, publications that I can actually recommend that do great work on on reproductive rights and, and thinking about it 
uh, thinking about the question of abortion and other issues that women have to deal with and, and non-binary people have to deal with um, when when going through, uh, you know, trying to have access to these sorts of uh, medical procedures, medications, etc. So I'll leave that to the experts. Uh, but I did want to drop some some commentary <laughs> on on the issue of choice and what it means. Uh, so with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the things that's been in the news a lot is this issue of reproductive rights and in particular abortion. And I think uh, that's one of the things that I want to talk about today as well, this issue of framing reproductive rights as solely a matter of abortion, which I think is a problem, uh, but I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, but it, with her death, it, it you know brought back to the fore this discussion about abortion rights and reproductive rights. And one of the things that I kept seeing in the media um, and also on Twitter, for example, and in social media was, oh my gosh, you know, now that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead and, you know, Roe v. Wade is under threat and what are they going to do? And then they're going to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And as we know now, um, the Supreme Court justice that Trump has nominated for the court is incredibly conservative, especially on matters of reproductive rights um, and abortion. And so anyway, that being said, you know, a lot of people are freaking out and, and saying, oh my God, you know, like abortion is going to be ended and Roe v. Wade is going to be over and all of this. And one of the things that I immediately thought was, you know, where have you been? Like, <laughs> is anyone awake? Like, is anyone paying attention? Over the past few years, and I would say most of my lifetime, um, I'm 37, but I would say for at least the past 15, 20 years, um, legislators, especially in the South and the Midwest, but throughout the country, have been doing everything they can to limit access to clinics that perform abortions um, and also provide contraception to people. Um, and what's nuts about this is like, I feel like every other day I'm, I'm seeing an article and I'm not even, I'm not necessarily someone who like follows a ton of abortion news, but it just how happens that, you know, just if you're, if you're reading stuff from progressives, you're going to see this argument and issue come up quite a bit, this debate, um, over abortion rights. And I just remember seeing article after article, even in, in publications like Buzzfeed, uh, very pop, pop culture, you know, type of publications about how people were limited in their access to abortion clinics, um, how doctors are being threatened, how states were doing everything they could to redefine what life meant um, to the point where it was basically like people had to, people couldn't, people couldn't get an abortion after, you know, a couple of weeks or, I mean, they were just trying everything they could, kind of nibbling around the edges, sometimes taking big bites, um, in fact, to make it almost impossible for people to, to have access to these sorts of services. And so, uh, you know, I, I said, like, how how can you not recognize that this has been going on for such a long time? And it just feels like almost an insult to the people who have struggled to try to get access to these sorts of services amid the climate that they have, especially, again, once, as I said before, in the South and the Midwest, um, where these, this sorts of practice, these sorts of practices, at least on the legislative end, have been happening for for a very 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 long time um so it kind of it reminded me a bit i got the same kind of feeling that i had you know when when there were protests around police brutality and you would sometimes see people who were well-meaning don't you know to just have to get that out of the way but who were well-meaning saying like oh my gosh i can't believe this is happening or oh my gosh i can't believe this police officer got off or like killing people and blah blah, blah. and you're like are you kidding me? Like, have you not seen what's been going on? So I understand that anger and the impetus. You just want to like smack people in the head. Like, how have you not noticed this? Um, and that can be incredibly frustrating. 
But I think it also kind of led me to um, reflecting a lot on my own experiences with birth and, um, you know, being pregnant and, and issues of choice and what that actually means. And for the longest time, I wanted to write an, an article about this, but it's just that time has been, it's been impossible. I mean, I don't have the free time. And you might say, what do you mean you don't have the free time? You record a podcast and whatever. But um, I do this like in the middle of the night. And when I, when I have a little bit of downtime after a day or days, sometimes consecutive days of lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of work. Um, and I have to have an outlet, right? And so this is my outlet of sorts. Um, but anyway, long story short, it made me start thinking about a lot of things that I've been ruminating on for a while. And I wanted to just like get out of my system, um, because they've been in the back of my head for a minute now. I think that the discussion about choice and the framing around you know, abortion rights is incredibly flawed. Um, and I say that as someone who is pro-choice, so I just want to get that out of the way. I think that people should have the right um, to have an abortion, and especially considering a whole host of factors that lead to people having a need to have an abortion, for example, um, in this country, which again, I'll go into later. Uh, but those sorts of things you know, that right needs to be um, protected, in my opinion. And I think that, unfortunately, the framing, however, of it being pro-choice and pro-life is really, really flawed. We have a very clear, I think, on the left understanding of how the pro-life framing is incorrect, at least in terms of understanding it as being pro-life you know, like recognizing that definition, that terminology, at least in the definition that's supposed to follow it, one would think that being pro-life would mean that you, you value the sanctity of life and you, you know, want to protect babies, children, their mothers, etc. But we know um, from legislation that quote-unquote pro-life people have put out, um, some of the advocates, some of the, you know, the politics that they support and the laws that they support and whatnot, for example, support of the death penalty and, you know, support of all, a whole host of um, forms of violence towards people, war and, and all of this, um, that definitely disproportionately impact women and girls and children, um, families, you know, it's very clear that they're not actually pro-life. But I think that on the other side, on the left, and that by that I mean both nominal left and actual left, um, you know, there is a really flawed understanding of what choice means too. Um, and I think it's hypocritical um, to talk so much about choice when in actuality so many people are limited in terms of their health related options and don't have a choice. So what I had seen so much, for example, in 2016 and then subsequent years, you know, years after that, um, around this debate on, on reproductive rights and choice is that there was often a discussion about, you know, um, needing to have the right to have an abortion and that sort of being the end all be all of our discussion of reproductive rights when in actuality reproductive rights is a massive, um, you know, like concept and, and we have to have more than just the right to have an abortion. It's not just about the right to have an abortion. It's also about the right to have medical care. It's especially stuff that's related to maternal care and re actual reproduction. Um, it's the right to have safe environments to live in and protecting people who are, you know, like 
For example, if you're poor and you're living in a home that has lead paint still and that's poisoning you and your child, or if you have lead pipes, or if we look at Flint, for example, that's a matter of our talking about what it means to have choice. How do you have choice in, in a world where your options are so limited by virtue of your class background or your racial background? Um, you know, we can, how can we look at people in Flint and say, okay, well, choice, they have a choice to do X, Y, and Z. They don't. And what's happening is their children are being murdered, you know, in real time. We're watching it. And when we talk about being pro-choice and you tell me that you don't support, uh, you know, increasing the minimum wage and you don't support strengthening the EPA and you don't support talking about and discussing means of, you know, dealing with climate change and you don't support most importantly, Medicare for all. How can you not support those things? And then you want to talk about choice. I mean, choice cannot operate within a vacuum. Choice is something that is formed on the basis of our options. As I said before, you know, like how every choice that I make is informed by my environment, by my politics, by my history, by my, by personal background, by my, so many things. Right. Um, and we're often not given a choice, unfortunately, in many, many, many instances of maternal care, reproductive rights, pregnancy, birth, all of that. Um, our choices, especially if you're poor or if you're a woman of color, if you're a black woman in particular in the United States, these I, this idea of choice is incredibly flawed um, and not the appropriate word to describe I think what some people advocate for because unfortunately I think that there's like a one-track minded approach to this issue where choice just means the right to have an abortion and that's it um, and I think that we need to have a more holistic understanding of what abortion rights mean but also what reproductive and most importantly I would say what reproductive rights actually means what does that mean and what does choice mean if your choice is taking place within the limitations of the society you live in. Um, and, you know, I, I've often remarked on the issue of, like, obviously there are some women who have abortions, um, some people who have abortions on the basis of, um, you know, health issues, right? So that's one area where we can talk about what kind of choice is it where you have to have an abortion because you've been neglected in healthcare your entire life because of because of racism because of sexism because of fill in the, your education level or your your class back you know your class level if you have been put in a position where you're not in the best health to have a baby precisely because of the environment you grew up in and then were forced basically to remain in because of the way our society operates is it a choice then that your body has become you know, put through all, your body's been put through all of this trauma, more or less. And then when it comes time for you to have a baby, your body is not prepared um, and not healthy enough to, to go through with such a pregnancy, right? This is, is it a choice then for that woman or that person to have to go through having an abortion? I don't know. I don't know if I would call that a choice in the, the typical sense that we talk about it, right? Obviously that choice, um, that option needs to be protected and especially, you know, like we're talking about medical issues, right? That should be something between that person and their doctor to choose and decide on. But I think to frame certain circumstances around a matter of choice when in actuality it's a matter of circumstance is a problem. 
And I want to be clear too. I don't want anyone to interpret this as like my not being pro-choice. I'm, as I said it before, I'm pro-choice, but I'm saying that we have to rethink what choice means if your circumstances and your situation happen to be what dictates the decision you make to end your pregnancy and how we as a society are responsible for that and need to talk about fixing the social issues that make and lead some women to end up having to have or some people, you know, I keep, I keep saying women, by the way, just out of habit because I'm myself a woman. Um, and most people I know who have babies do identify as women, but I just want to be clear for anyone listening that I'm also mindful of the fact that there are non-binary people and trans people who have babies. So I'm, I'm not trying to exclude anyone. It's just a matter of habit. Um, but I think that there is a degree to which we as a society overlook some of the circumstances that surround um, the the inability for some people to carry out their pregnancies, um, and and we have to do more to make sure that people who are ending their pregnancies, right, are not doing so solely because they have no other means of caring for their child. I raise this issue because. Um, you know, there were, if you look at other countries, for example, and their social safety net. So I'll just take, let's take my husband's country. My husband's from Turkey. If you go to Turkey, Turkey provides for your child. They provide for you if your partner dies, um, basically for your the rest of your life and your child's life. They have uh, what we would call a socialized healthcare system. Um, so, you know, medical care or treatment is usually free at time of service every now and then, you know, you have to pay for medication and stuff like that, but nothing to the degree that you would have to pay for in the United States. Um, and I, at one point was even contemplating actually going to Turkey to have my child and to carry out the majority of my pregnancy because it was so expensive here. And I'll talk about that in a minute as well as a matter of choice, right? It almost makes a mockery of the idea of choice. If, as I said before, people are making these choices on the basis of not having, um, resources, not having the financial support, not having the medical support that they need to have healthy pregnancies and raise healthy children, um, or be able to afford to raise children. That's another element that I have to, I think about a lot. You know, I, I mentioned before on another, uh, on a, I think it was like one of the, one of the left POC podcasts where I was talking about coronavirus and being a parent during coronavirus and how stressful that is. Um, but I think I mentioned in that episode that, you know, I was paying like $150 a week, pretty much $100 to $150 a week, more or less during my pregnancy um, to to medical, you know, to like the hospital, to the doctor's office. I had bills nonstop. I'm still paying bills. I feel like, you know, it, it almost feels like a student loan or something, but to have a child, right? So at the moment, um, because my child was in the NICU when she was born, I had a massive bill that was like $45,000. Um, and then even though I have quote unquote good insurance, I still have to pay a portion of that. So I'm paying that off. And then I had, you know, all the bills from my doctor's visits. Um, and just, it's just like an enormous amount of things that I have to pay for. Um, and, you know, I said to myself, oh my God, like I was, I knew I had to pay some money to have a kid, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite so much. Uh, on the medical end. And 
I was just thinking, like, how do people afford to have children nowadays in this country? You know, how do people afford it? Even if you're on some sort of government assistance, there's then the issue of once a child is born, you have to worry about all sorts of things. Um, you have to pay for all sorts of things that are definitely not covered by this government. You have to worry about the education, you know, education system. You have to worry about housing, safe housing, decent education. You have to worry about health care. You have to worry about clothing them and feeding them. There's so many things that you have to think about and pay for at the end of the day that I completely understand why some people are saying to themselves, I can't afford to have a kid, you know, and, and if they end up getting pregnant, they have to figure out what they're going to do. And so if we as a society, and I myself stand by this, if we as a society are saying the majority of Americans are pro-choice, let's just say, I'm not sure what the stats are. Again, go to the people who are technically prepared to talk about this, right? <laughs> At least people who are experts to talk about the technical end of this. Um, but let's just propose, let's just suppose that um, 60% of Americans support the right to have an abortion. Okay, cool. They would consider themselves more or less pro-choice, right? But then if you continue to ask those people, do you support the right to a 15 to $20 minimum wage being enacted now? Do you support Medicare for all? Do you support um, secure housing and, and housing grants to people? Do you support uh, this, 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 and this? All of these things that would be needed to support a family and a parent with a child. Do you support government aid going to single parents? Do you support, you know, fill in the blank. You could have so many different options. And I think we would see fewer and fewer and fewer people supporting those things, unfortunately despite calling themselves pro-choice, right? So we have to think about the limits of that term um, and what we mean. And when I say I'm pro-choice, I mean that I want the person who's making this choice to be doing so as an actual choice and not something that they're doing out of the basis of their circumstances that are man-made, not by them, but by a society that doesn't care about them and that doesn't value their life as much as they value others' lives. Um, and that's a that's just, you know, like for me, I think it's I think of my politics as like one big holistic view, if that makes sense. So I also add to my being pro-choice the matter of, you know, being anti-war, right? Like how can people be forced into circumstances that make them choose one child over another or one parent over another. I mean, these things are just like harrowing. And we cannot look ourselves in the mirror and say, we're pro-choice, and then at the same time be pro-war. That doesn't make any sense. If you like think about your politics as a holistic, you know, like, um, I don't know, like a living uh, idea, set of ideas, right? The next thing I wanted to talk about is how abortion operates and how choice operates within the medical system that is incredibly discriminatory um, towards people of color and in particular black people. I mentioned this because if you look at, you know, things like maternal death rate, loss of child during uh, pregnancy for black women, poor treatment of black women during their pregnancy, these things are very real. And I myself have suffered from it. I mean, it's weird because I was like reading these things and like learning about this stuff. Everyone talks about it all the time. And then I became a pregnant person and that changed everything because then I, I, I experienced it firsthand, right? So in my case, um, I was going to a doctor 
I found out I was pregnant. I was planning on being pregnant. So it was like a, you know, planned event, if you will. Um, I intentionally got pregnant, but I was not expecting to be pregnant so quickly because I'm up in age and quote unquote, a geriatric, uh, I was a geriatric pregnant person. Uh, that's literally the term they used to use. Uh, but because of that, I wasn't expecting to get pregnant as quickly as I did. I thought it was going to take me months and months and months and months. So when I did get pregnant, it was right before, literally like I found out like a week or so before I had to go to Brazil and I was going to Brazil for a research trip. This was in, um, 2018, uh, end of 2018 and, uh, or not, sorry, not the end of 2018, but I found out when I was pregnant, you know, all of that was happening and I was planning to go to Brazil in August of, um, that would have been 2018. 18. Yeah. I'm, why can't I do math? I don't know. I'm having trouble right now, like remembering numbers. So we're in 2020. My baby was born in February. So if we count backwards, if we say February, January, December, November, October, uh, September and August and then July, June. Yes. Okay. So that's correct. So I found out that I was pregnant in July, um, on July 4th, actually. I was planning to go to Brazil to do research in June or July. I already had my ticket. And that around that time, it was like in July when I found out that I was pregnant, that I then had to subsequently go. So this is 2019. I'm sorry about that, guys. I'm really bad at math, and for, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> but, and numbers in general, like, confuse me. Um, so I found out that I was pregnant, and then I ended up having to get on a plane basically and leave. So I was in a rush to do all of these medical exams and, you know, everything I needed to do to kind of get my stuff together around my pregnancy before I went to Brazil. I also had already planned, you know, looked into getting a doctor in Brazil and everything so that I could follow along with my pregnancy while I was there in a healthy way and not just like guess and hope for the best. Um, because I was actually planning on being there for three months. So that would have been like the entirety of my first trimester. So it's going to be there for like two or three months. Um, and then I, you know, I, I wanted, I had a specific doctor that I wanted to go to, but then because of my multiple sclerosis, the hospital said, Oh no, you're considered high risk. So I was immediately put into the high risk category. And then I was immediately told basically, I cannot see the doctor that I wanted to see. So I was like, all right, like, again, first time I've ever been pregnant in my life. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of like, okay, like they're medical professionals that know better than me. So I'm following along and I'm just saying, all right, like send me to this doctor. So they sent me to a doctor who was within network, same hospital, whatever, um, who dealt with high risk patients. And one of the things that I kept saying was, I don't know if I'm actually high risk because ironically, when you have multiple sclerosis, when you're pregnant, some of the symptoms actually go away or diminish. And so it's actually not, I mean, it might be technically high risk, but most of the issues go away. So I'm not, I don't know if I need to be in a high risk category, but they left me in that anyway. Um, so that was like the first little bit of removal of my autonomy, if you will my choice. Um, I went to the doctor. She never gave me a physical exam, not once. Um, she at first thought that I was having an ectopic pregnancy, which is when the baby is like, or the, 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 like the 
oh my gosh, what's the embryo, excuse me, the embryo is like forming in the fallopian tubes or somewhere outside of the uterus. And so the base, it basically is not a viable pregnancy. So the, you have to have an abortion or you have to have some, at some point, um, miscarry. And usually it's dangerous to wait to miscarry. It can kill you. Um, so they tell you, you know, you have to terminate the pregnancy. So that was the first thought because we couldn't find the embryo. There was like no sign of the baby um, whenever they would do the ultrasounds. So then, uh, and this is like, again, all of this is happening like within a couple of days. Okay. So like imagine all of this, like up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, all this drama. Um, and then uh, I had, you know, I said, okay, well maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just going to have a miscarriage or whatever. Sad, but we'll deal with, we'll deal with it as, as it comes. So then one day, um, I am at home. I'm like packing. Okay. I'm literally packing for Brazil while all of this is going on. And I start bleeding and I'm like, Oh my God, worried, you know? So I go to the, you know, I call the doctor, they send me for all these tests. And then I come in for like an emergency ultrasound pretty much the next day, which, cause it was over the weekend when it was happening. I come in for an emergency ultrasound several actually. So I had like, I feel like I had 10 ultrasounds in the matter of a couple days um, <laughs> when this was all happening. And I have an ultrasound and they find the baby. So they see the embryo uh, on the image in the ultrasound room. And my husband is with me and we both are just crying hysterically because we see embryo like we see something there you know it's so exciting and like the nurse like the the ultrasound tech is in the room with us and she's super happy and like we're all like kind of celebrating and just relieved because we really thought that I didn't I mean they thought that I was I thought I was going to miscarry I thought I had miscarried over that weekend um and I remember you know seeing the baby in the video and I named her as a nickname. I said, okay, there's, there's my little bean, you know, called her bean for the longest. And then my doctor came in and she said, you know, I know you're going on, going to Brazil, like in a couple of days. Uh, and, uh, if you want to go ahead and end it, you can. And I was like, what? And what? Like we just saw the, what are you talking about? She's like, well, your, your HCG levels, which is like the hormone for when you're pregnant. Um, it's a hormone that, that starts to form in larger numbers when you're pregnant increases. Um, your HCG levels are low. Most likely, I mean, it's almost a hundred percent likely that you're going to miscarry. So I can give you something now, uh, to go ahead and terminate the pregnancy. And that way you don't have to worry about having a miscarriage in Brazil while you're doing your research. And I was like, I don't know. I just sort of paused and I just remember being on the one hand upset, but then on the other, like coming up with excuses for her because I said, okay, well, she's an at risk. She does like high deals with high risk patients all the time. And she probably has seen all sorts of things and is just trying to help me out. You know, she's just trying to look out for me so that I can be, I can deal with the situation before I go to Brazil and like, I'm trying to work while dealing with a difficult pregnancy and the possibility of miscarriage. Um, or like the other thing that I was afraid of was like miscarrying on the plane, you know, that would be traumatic and awful and, you know, just not something you want to deal with. Right. And I said, no, I think I'm going to wait. I think I'm just going to let it carry out, let, let it, let nature run its course. I have a doctor already lined up in Brazil. And also the good thing, and thank God, I had already done a lot of research. So when I, when, 
when I started bleeding, when I was having issues, I started looking up all of these things. Every time my doctor said, said anything to me, anytime I had an issue, I would read. I would just go to the internet and immediately start looking up stuff. And because of my background in research, I think it really helped me because I know there's a lot of garbage on the internet too. And a lot of people freak out from what they see on the internet. And in my case, I was able to like read through scientific journals and like read through all these scientific articles and kind of like parse through this really heavy duty science stuff by virtue of my having had access to like lessons on how to do research, right? I think if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be right now. I don't think I would be, I don't think I would have a daughter right now. I'm being perfectly honest. I think in that moment, even though it was being presented to me as a choice, if I had said, yeah, okay, let's do it. My choice would have been taken away from me had I not educated myself beforehand about the process of, okay, you can have like kind of a natural miscarriage, just let, as I said, let nature take its course and things you can just pass the baby and, or pass, pass the embryo at that, at that stage. And that it's not that big of a deal, right? It's a big deal emotionally, of course, but sometimes miscarriages just are faint and not really, you know, a ton of, of, um, there's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's like not a lot of uh, like physical trauma to your body associated with it. That's what I'm trying to say. Of course, there's there can be emotional trauma if you wanted to have that child. But in general, on your body, it just, you pass it. It's like if you get your period or something. And so, you know, I I think if I had not, like I said, if I had not taken the time to do the research, if I had not known how to do the research, if I had just gone on the internet willy-nilly looking at things and articles and just reading whatever and then not understanding what I was reading, I may have said yes to that doctor that day. Um, and I'm glad I didn't, <laughs> you know, like I'm glad I didn't because now my bean is actually a baby upstairs uh, sleeping. I think too that, you know, if I did not have a supportive partner, I don't know if I would have gone through with the pregnancy at that point. Um, if I didn't have decent insurance, I, you know what I mean? So there's so many elements that framed that moment in my life where I said, okay, I'm going to make my choice on my terms, right? I had, I was empowered by virtue of having that safety net, however slight, right? The safety net of educational background, the safety net of having understood the way, you know, my body was, was working, the, the, the safety net of having a partner, the safety net of having somewhat decent insurance. If and and the other thing too is like the safety net of knowing that I would have a doctor in Brazil that I could see that I had friends in Brazil that I was staying with, right? There's so many elements to this that made me um empowered at that moment to make a choice, an affirmative choice on my health and not say, okay, and just do what the doctor was telling me to do, right? Now, the other thing is that's interesting is that when I went to Brazil, I met with a Brazilian doctor. She was amazing. My OB in Brazil was like, man, I literally emailed her and said, I wish I could bring you back here because you have been so supportive and so helpful and one of the best doctors I've had in this process. And it was, it was amazing to have her because she was the person who made me realize based on her treatment that the treatment I was getting in America was not right. <laughs> it was not good. When I met with her the first time, basically the first thing she did was a full physical exam, which is actually the norm uh, when you're pregnant. 
you know, I was able to get an ultrasound right away and, and I mean, literally like next day pretty much. And the ultrasound woman was amazing. Everyone was so supportive and helpful. And they went through explaining meticulously every aspect of what was going on with me. Everything was perfectly fine. I remember my doctor in Brazil literally drew, she was like drawing to show me what was going on with my uterus. And she said, no, it's perfectly normal. Everything's fine. What's happening to you is okay. Your, your baby's going to be fine. There were all these things about the process of having medical care in Brazil. And I'm not saying this is universal, by the way, because I also recognize that many Brazilian women have to deal with a lot of issues when it comes to maternal health. But my experience with these particular doctors and techs was very, very positive. And it changed my outlook on my pregnancy. And it was a matter of my being able to have access to people who cared about me, who provided me with care that was tailored to my experience, who literally saw me as their patient and respected my my choice, who respected my needs, who respected what I wanted to do with my pregnancy. And so that that having that as an option is important. And I don't think that we as a society are really ready to really confront how not not enabling and empowering pregnant people to have these rights and this safety net, not doing that is taking away their choice. It's taking away their rights at the end of the day to make educated decisions about their own pregnancies and to be able to make educated decisions as parents at the end of the day, to be able to say, this is what I want to do because I actually want to do this and not because I'm being forced to by the circumstances in a society that doesn't give a shit about me. This is what matters. Um, and you know, we, as I think as socialists, as leftists, as people, as people who just, no matter what your party is, you care about other people, you have to understand and you have to prioritize that other people need to have their needs met. And we have to find a way to do that. And we can't just say, well, people, you know, they're going to just make whatever choice they're going to make. And they should have the right to that choice without also understanding that they should have the right to have rights. Like they should have rights on material matters as well that then help them make better decisions and decisions period on other rights. Um, because it pains me to see like when I've seen some, um, some research on this, again, not an expert, but I've seen some research on this, you know, where you look at a lot of the people who do end up terminating their pregnancies often give the reason as being economic. Um, so they can't afford to take care of the baby the wrong time in life is often one. Um, but then there's another, as I said, that's economic. And I often wonder to myself if these people had been, you know, in that position in another country, in a place where they had more rights as a, in a place that cared about them as a whole person, right. That made sure that they had access, decent, very good access to education, healthcare, whatever, and a social safety net, would they be making that same decision? Would their choice be, a matter of something different. Um, and I'm not saying that that choice is better, to be clear. You have to do what's right for your life. But what I'm saying is that we should be allowed to make choices within a range of, where we have a range of choices, where we have a range of options, and where it's not just limited to one, only one or the other. Um, and where both of those options are not necessarily ideal for us as people, right? If I were put in a position like that, and I had to make a choice based on whether or not I can afford to do something, 
you know, that's tough because I'm sure that some people who end up having abortions maybe don't want them, don't want to have an abortion, but as I said, are doing so out of circumstance. There are some people who want to and they want to, and that's fine. And as I said, I completely accept and agree with the need for that right to be protected. Um, And I also, at the same time, recognize that our rights do not operate on their own without all of these other factors. I think our rights, in fact, are strengthened by having more options, by having the ability to make a choice based not on absolute destitution or desperation, but being able to make a choice on the basis of, I have checked all these boxes, I've looked at all of my options, I have these other options, and I'm still deciding to do this thing. If you don't have the other options, is it really a choice in the way that we traditionally think about choice? And I think that that's that's something that we need to kind of begin to talk about. Um, And it's not just with regard to abortion, right? I think that, as I said before, and I talked about war in the beginning and some other things. Um, But if we're in positions where, you know, choice is being made, also, I should, I should add, on the basis of of discriminatory social factors, right? So one of the things that I learned from watch, I was watching an episode of, I believe it was The Grapevine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had it's The Grapevine, for those who may not know, it's, um, it's a show on YouTube that just brings together a bunch of young black people to talk about different social issues. And one of the episodes was about the issue of black maternal death and health um, disparities. And one of the things that one of the doctors had mentioned um, was that either the doctor or the one of the doulas, I can't remember which, um, I would have to go back and look at the episode, but I'll see if I can find it and stick it in the show notes for this. Um, but one of the things that one of the medical professionals had mentioned was that a lot of black women are told by their doctors to abort their children, to terminate their pregnancies, um, in, in the hospital, um, for a variety of reasons. Some of them are obviously health related, but, and and often are framed as a matter of health. Um, but as I mentioned before, if people are in poor health on the basis of not having access to decent healthcare because they're poor or dealing with medical apartheid quite literally, or discrimination on the basis, like, again, how, like how much is that, poor health a matter of choice or a matter of circumstance, right? Um, and so anyway, this person talked about it much better than I'm doing now. So I'm doing, I'm not doing the discussion justice and my apologies for that. That's why I said I'll try to find the video and post it so that you all can watch it yourselves. Um, but it was mentioned that, you know, a lot of ter- pregnancies are terminated and may not necessarily have to be. Um, but on the basis of, you know, as a matter of discrimination and not being not being educated by their medical professionals, or as I, a better way of framing that is by saying, their medical professional professionals not taking the time to honor their patients' rights and the need for their patient to know what's going on with their bodies, right? Not explaining things to them fully, not taking the time to to talk about alternatives, right? Um, not taking the time to investigate on their own alternatives, right? The doctors also have to do research while they're dealing with patients in real time, um, and you know, if your doctor's basically looking at you and saying, I don't give, I don't give a crap about what happens to this person, they're not going to put in the extra effort to look up more information about your pregnancy or your particular health issue, right? Um, to then try to find alternatives to just t- terminating your pregnancy. 
Um, but the doctor or the doula in the video was talking about the fact that like so many people, so many black people who are dealing with, who are trying, who are dealing with like difficult pregnancies are often told to terminate their pregnancies and may not necessarily have to, there may be alternatives. There may be, you know, other methods of, um, carrying out the pregnancy in a healthy way or, or with the best health in mind that won't endanger the child or the, the parent, you know, but again, these, this sort of issue to me is, is not choice. You know, if you're being neglected by medical professionals on the basis of your race, gender, sexuality, whatever, that's not choice at that point. If you then have to terminate your pregnancy, that's a matter of, of medical abuse. Um, and so that's again, why I personally find that we need to have more nuanced conversations about being pro-choice. Once you get past the, yes, I'm pro-choice and yes, I believe in the right to, for people to have an abortion. Yes, I believe in the right for people to have access to birth control and, you know, all these things. Once you get that out of the way, then what, right? It has to go beyond just saying, yes, I agree to the right for people to have abortions. It has to go to then, I agree with the right of people to have healthcare, education, housing, safe places to live and raise a family, a social safety net for that child and their family, job security. There's so many things and they have to all come together in one package for everything to operate fully. We cannot have choice. We do not have the right for our reproductive health if we don't have access to all these other things. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, that's my opinion, you know, and y'all can disagree with me and that's fine. And I'm, I welcome it in fact, but I think that we have to have a real conversation about recognizing that these issues, as I said, don't operate in a vacuum and they don't, they certainly don't operate in a vacuum when you're talking about a healthcare industry in this country that makes money, makes money off of us, makes money off abusing us at the end of the day, makes money off of charging us an arm and a leg for the most basic and subpar in many cases, quote unquote, healthcare. We deserve better as a country. We deserve better as a people. And I think that if we're going to talk about one thing, we have to talk about all the others in tandem with that for everything to operate fully, you know, and, and this is in many ways a system. I think this also comes up, you know, when we talk about uh, COVID, I've mentioned COVID in, in other episodes before, but the issue is at the end of the day, people are dying of COVID in many cases because they were in poor health to begin with and for their whole lives because they were deprived of decent health care in, in, in this country. You know, it's, it's not an accident that so many people who are impoverished are in poor health. Um, that's, not, that's not an accident. You know, that's, that's an, basically an intentional um, act to deprive people and make sure that, you know, it's seeing people as disposable and we need to work toward a country that doesn't see people as disposable, whether they're here or elsewhere, because we know that this country doesn't see people abroad as, as valuable, right. As people even. Um, so we really have to work toward fighting for, and we have to work toward getting that and we have to fight for it. You know, we have to fight for that degree of equality. And I think only then, can we fully make choices that are based on what we want and not based on circumstances that have put us in a position where we have to make a decision that may not be what we actually want, may not be in our best interest, may not be 
what we have thought we were going to do with ourselves. So those are my thoughts. Um, kind of a controversial topic, but I, I really, and I hope that no one misunderstands anything I'm saying here. I really do think that everyone should have the right to an abortion and this is not a but, but an and we should also work towards securing a social safety net so that people can make that choice within a range of other options. Right. Um, because I think some people are not given many people, in fact, are not given other options, um, and I don't mean that in like a, you know, a way that, oh, well, if, because I hear this sometimes, say, well, oh, well, you know, so women wouldn't have abortions if they just had better health care, if they had, you know, support or whatever. But it goes beyond that, right? I'm not, I'm not making that argument. I'm saying that people would make, people would have the right to have a choice if we made sure that all their other rights were covered as well. So... That being said, that's the end of this episode. I just wanted to say thanks for those who are listening and to remind people, um, first of all, that if you haven't checked out the Patreon for Left POC, definitely go check it out. It's patreon.com slash left POC. All of our episodes are free. All of our content is free. We want to make sure that everything about our podcast and this project as a whole is democratized, free to the public. We don't want to keep knowledge behind a paywall. That's not our MO. Um, so we want to make sure that everything's always open to the public and free. Um, the other thing is, I just wanted to say that this component or sub-series is exactly that. It's a sub-series of the Left Pocket Project. So it is not um, an exclusive podcast. Uh, so you can't like type in Comrade Mommy, to the best of my knowledge, on iTunes and find it. It's not a separate podcast. It's a podcast under the umbrella of left POC. Um, so if you're looking for me and to subscribe for comrade mommy, make sure that you go to iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, whatever, and type in left POC and you'll find all of the shows that we do under that umbrella, including comrade mommy. The other thing is, um, just as a heads up for what's going to be happening with Comrade Mommy. Of course, I'm going to keep having these kind of impromptu sessions when things come to mind. Um, but I also am going to have guests and people on who are the professionals, who are the experts on these issues um, to talk about them. So just know that for future reference, they're not all going to be just me talking in the middle of the night about what comes to mind. Uh, but some future episode ideas, I'm definitely going to be talking to some revolutionary parents and what revolutionary parenting looks like. Um, I'm going to be talking to um, trans and non-binary parents, multiracial families, um, families who are struggling economically and finding creative ways to kind of um, supplement their incomes and supplement support their families um, through that. Uh, I'm going to talk to all sorts of people um, and, and just like kind of rethinking what family even means um, and what that can look like in our present, especially considering everything that's going on. Um, family has a lot of different definitions, and so I'm mindful of that and I want to have people on to talk about their experiences um, and how they're melding politics and family life. Um, because sometimes it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Being a parent is difficult, especially right now. Where you, It's really hard to get support um, when there's a pandemic going on. And, um, so, you know, I understand that it can be time consuming and a lot of parents are like, I don't have time to, to lead a revolution. But then at the same time, if you look, as I always say, if you look at revolutionaries, a lot of them are parents, a lot of them have families. So, you know, people can, people are multitaskers, man. And it's, it's, (laughs) 
you can raise a baby and fight for the revolution at the same time. There it is there where there's a will, there's a way, right? Um, so anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and as I said, be on the lookout for more Comrade Mommy episodes. Uh, they'll all be under the left POC umbrella. And um, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe, wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands, blah, blah, blah. Um, take care of yourself and the kiddos. And uh, yeah, that's all for now. Bye-bye.